0: Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Staub.
1: All right, welcome to our business podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. Very good. It's our Friday episode. You know, honestly, I can't get over that, that last Wednesday episode. I, I'm still thinking about it. It's one of the better guests we've had. It was real. It was, it was pretty uh, raw. There's no expert here. It was just someone that co-owns a company that provides a service that was sued by Yelp and was defending them. So if you guys haven't checked it out yet, one episode before, number 165, definitely definitely something you don't want to miss.
2: And they're probably not listening to this episode today because, as you know, the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament, it's like the biggest non-production forkwise there's something like 9 billion and i saw some number
1: i think 9 billion is a number of people that watch it that day no <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: okay estimated 40 million fill out brackets wager approximately 9 billion dollars what a waste of money pretty much all that illegally <laughs> but
1: So what was interesting, I was on Reddit and uh, trolling through there and making fun of people on my comments and stuff like that. No, not really.
2: Typical for you.
1: (laughs) So there was there was one person, I think, in the finance section or personal finance section that posted something about how their PlayStation Network gamer tag was. I don't know. It was there was all these charges on it. And I I can't remember the exact circumstances, but bottom line is somehow PlayStation was saying either you pay this amount or we're going to ban you for life or whatever. And then someone else responded to that, says, okay, I see your PlayStation problem. And I raised my case where I got scanned with a PayPal chargeback and forced to repay $1,414 or be banned forever. And of course, this uh, post got picked up on the front page and then consumerist.com covered it and, and different things like that. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting that we should cover it. And
2: basically, uh, this is how I understand the the whole fraudulent transaction here the whatever you want to call it a scheme if you will they call it friendly fraud yeah I saw that too and I thought that was stupid friendly fraud that like <laughs> it's so odd so yeah. this is so let's see what what's something I want to buy let's see I'm, I'm gonna buy a, a TV nice so I'll order a nice expensive TV flat screen what flat screen or like one of those tubes well I'm gonna go big because this is what I'm gonna do it's order this really nice curved big TV, it's thousands of dollars. So I order it and then I tell my bank, Oh, I didn't order this, but that's a lie. Yeah. Well, it's friendly. It's a friendly lie. Okay. (laughs) Get the charges reversed after this identity theft claim. So I get my money back and guess what? I still have the TV too. And the person that sold it to me, I guess they're the ones that are out of luck because they don't have a TV or the money, but then who has to pay for all that? Someone has to pay for it. Whoever sold it to me, I don't care. I'm watching my
1: TV. I've already forgot about it. <laughs> You're watching the NCAA tournament and betting all your money that you still <laughs> yeah. have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I lost I lost all the money that I uh, that I got from this fraud friendly fraudulent transaction, but still at the end of the day I feel pretty pretty good about
1: it. No, and and, and anyone who has been charging credit cards for a long enough time. You know, we, we, we have credit cards. I don't think I've had one chargeback because, you know, usually the people that you're working with, you know them. So it's, you're not going to have that kind of fraud like they, they have, you know, we have an like engagement letter and things like that. But for those vendors or those merchants that are actually selling, you know, products online or even digital services are, are, are huge targets, you're not meeting the customer. And so you, it's very difficult for you to really verify the person's identity or anything like that. So these consumers can easily justify, not justify, but be able to defend themselves saying like, oh, someone stole my credit card and they could have just went online and, and bought a product and, and had it shipped to them without any kind of recourse and and I'm sitting here in my home with my credit card in hand and I, I didn't do that. So it's kind of an easy scheme to get away with, but the problem is is that how, as a business, do you defend against it?
2: Yeah, and as a business owner, there's really, th- I think, three different things that can happen in terms of this. And we, we talked about, obviously, the most dubious way of, I, I can't get over the friendly fraud label of it, but you know, basically just getting straight up scammed. That I mean, that would be the worst. Kind of below that would be a customer who really did have, or someone that really did have identity theft, occur with them. And so they're going to get, you know, a charge back that way, the business, you know, with the business. And then the third, which is by far the most reasonable is just someone's not happy with the good or service that you sell as a business and, you know, a charge back that way. And hopefully they would, I mean, I'm not gonna say they're, they probably won't contact you, but you know, hopefully they would. And you could resolve that, you know, outside of this whole chargeback issue. But I mean, this is, it's a serious thing for businesses and especially for, for small businesses. If, you probably know more about this than I do, but in terms of like the credit card processing, there's limits on how much chargebacks, like the
1: amount or number of chargebacks you can have. Oh, yeah. If if you have enough chargebacks, even one or two will ra- depending upon how much volume you do and stuff like that. But those merchant processors are will drop you overnight because they don't want to get in trouble from Visa and MasterCard because they have they have agreements, too. And so. It's a whole, it's a whole, and it also affects your business credit too. So if you're worried about maintaining your own business credit, if you want to get a loan in the future, these kinds of things, because if you think about it, there's, there are chargebacks that are legitimate, right? That people like, like Matt said, and, and so chargebacks can be a bad sign, but, and also at the same time, even if they're not legitimate, then it also shows that somehow you're not taking enough action on your part to prevent the fraud. And that's kind of dubious too, because, but there, there are ways to prevent it. I mean, if you think about it, in the sense that the the best way that is not practical, but a way to prevent fraud is to make sure that you see a driver's license, see the physical card, get a signature, and all these things. But then how do you do that online? And you know, now there's a three-digit number on the back of the card so that further proof that the person that's purchasing has the card in their hand because that number is different for each card. But even then, that's not that's not enough to prevent it from the whole fraud system. So the real answer to me is that this is the cost of doing business. And if, if you're in this same position and you're forced to repay, you know, $1,400 by the way, and from what I've seen with chargebacks is not that big of a deal when you're doing with high volume, that's like a common thing. But for this particular person, he posted on Reddit, he or she went to the front page, and guess what happened? PayPal reimbursed reimbursed the amount and took care of the account, so it became a non-issue. Of course, I'm pretty sure that only came about because of the Reddit popularity, but you know.
2: Yeah, it's. I don't think that's going to be a trend. It's probably a one-time thing for at least for this, but yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is you know, outside of you know, working out the people that want to do returns of the the good or just weren't happy with the service. You know, what can a business do to to prevent this from happening. And that's, you know, you can have as much precaution as you want, but if identity theft is going to occur and friendly fraud as it, as you will, you know, it's going to occur too. and you, you, like you were mentioning, you can definitely take a few more steps and, you know, kind of preventing this from happening. But to me, I guess it's, it's pretty much impossible to have, you know, 100% protection on this. It's just like you said, the the cost of doing business, but it did remind me one there's a, and I forget where I even saw this, someone posted a, a picture, it was like, oh, I got my brand new credit card and took a picture of it and put it up on like Facebook or whatever, just a full card and someone, <laughs> and there was like a few comment, a bunch of comments and the person wrote back, like, why is everyone asking me what the three, the, what the number on, the three digit number on the back is, it's blah, 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 and they wrote it on there. You can pretty much just uh, cut that card in half and call
1: your credit card company right now because... I guess that's the the quick way to learn about credit card security and preventing fraud. Yeah, you know, if you if, if you look at the Reddit comments on this particular post, you 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 can get some. I don't want to say good or bad advice. I'm just going to say advice <laughs> on on what you can do in similar situations, especially like, especially dealing with PayPal directly, I think is, is pretty helpful. But then there's a post like, okay, you know, that says you are going about it the wrong way. You have recourse through the courts. You can take the scammer to small claims for being out of the 1400 and prove it is there because of fraud. And, you know, it sounds nice and that could be an option, but it's, it's not as easy as that, you know, it, it would be small claims court. And then you have to make sure you, you know who the scammer actually is which, is, which is an issue. And you have to be able to prove it. And you have to be able to file a case in the, usually in the residence of the defendant. So that may be out of state if it's an electronic transaction. And then even if you do get a judgment, you actually have to collect. And that's all for $1,400, right? And at the end, you're not going to get that money back, even if you are going to get a judgment for $1,400. And that's kind of the, the concept there. Yeah, it's easier said than done with
2: that. That's the thing we say all the time, even when you have a slam dunk case of clear fraud. it's <laughs> There's still many walls you have to break through just to to get that money at the end of the day. So,
1: And also you should note that PayPal, like other are, are third-party services, that you're processing these credit cards through. And there's a lot of people that say online this is the exact reason why they don't use PayPal. And someone shared another story where you know they sold some couple hundred dollar gamer code or something like that and 2 days later the the PayPal account went negative 200 because the person disputed it and even after they contacted PayPal providing evidence that the person actually acknowledged the receipt of the code and things like that PayPal ended up siding with that customer and that person was out the couple hundred dollars and i'm not sure what happened obviously obviously that's just one particular case but there, you do have choices on who you use and how those disputes are handled as well, and that's all done by contract.
2: So I got my TV. You know, it's so at the end of the day, I came out ahead. So very good. I,
1: I I think everyone likes you more now.
2: I still don't understand. Like the friendly
1: fraud makes no sense. <laughs> like, what? I think the euphemism is is such that, well, from a consumer's perspective, or the fraudster perspective, us. You know, who does it hurt? You know, it's these big guys that have a bunch of money anyway. So what's the big deal? Yeah. We should do some friendly fraud on them. They just have to start accepting credit cards. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know if this is like a Sour Patch Kids
2: situation where it's like first they're sour, then they're sweet. (laughs) First there's fraud, but then there's friendly fraud. In fact, uh, they should just say like Sour Patch Fraud. Sour Patch Fraud. Yeah. It's good. That's the new, that's, you just coined a new
1: phrase there. Uh, That's what I do. All right, well, thank you for joining us, everyone. And uh, don't forget to leave some positive reviews on iTunes for us, that'd be great. Yep, and as always,
0: keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasir Pasha and Matt Stopp. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney.